It's exciting today to open God's Word and speak to you. I'm in the second chapter of Daniel, and uh, I'm going to read quite a bit this morning, but it'll be good. We're in 100 Days to Victory. Everybody say 100 Days to Victory. Don't say it excitingly. One, two, three. There you go. There you go. I, I was reading a, a Robert Rubik, he was, uh, something he had, and I saw this quote from Zig Ziglar and said, hey, send that to me. And I just like what it says. It says, you are, and if you don't know who Zig Ziglar is, he's a great motivational guy. Um, been gone for several years, but great motivational guy. I've watched him be in a stadium full of thousands of people, business people, people that came there to learn business principles. And then at a certain point in his message, in his teaching, and he'd have Colin Powell there and all these big leaders. And then when it got to him, he'd get to a certain point, he'd get down on one knee, and he's pointing out the congregation, or the congregation, the, the stadium full of people, and he'd share Jesus with them. And all the motivation and all the principles of business, they were there to get all those. But then in a very secular envir- environment, he'd just, sit out, he'd just get, he'd get down on one knee and point his Texas finger at people, and he'd start sharing Jesus with them. Powerful. He said this, you are what you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. It's powerful, and as you're reading through the New Testament, I'm telling you, you allow God's word in, it's going to change you. Anybody, anybody, anybody witness that in your life? Say yes. Yeah. So we're in this, in this series called Against the Current. And it's, it's the whole idea that the world seems to be traveling in a certain direction with a certain flow. And, and it's difficult, I would say this, to turn against that current and go in a different direction. Many times people are pulled along into the current before they realize it. Now I'm not talking about everybody in the world. I'm talking about us right here. Christians can get caught in the current uh, of this world and find themselves losing their devotion and dedication to Jesus because those currents don't always produce that in your life. I think about it, you know, I've, I've had the uh, privilege to be in some very large cities, and, and I like being in cities. You know, my wife likes the beach, uh, but, but I just soon go to some big place. I mean, and, 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 but I like the beach too. I mean, I'm not saying I don't. I don't think she likes to go to big cities as much, so, so we go to the beach a lot, but that's fun. But the few times I've been in big cities, what I've noticed is there's just a whole lot of people. And now that would wear on you after a while, I think. It wears on the people there. You can tell by their attitudes. They're just rough. Sometimes you think about who's your hospitality, and you're glad. Because Indianapolis, we're a, we're a big city, but we're not, a, we're not one of the big big cities, right, like London or New York. And when you're in those places, well, the crowds of people on the sidewalk, there's so many that when you're like me and you're like, well, I don't know where I'm going for sure because I'm not here all the time, and I want to switch directions to go back because I passed it, I'm telling you, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to make a shift in direction. In fact, you gotta, you got to think about how you're going to do this. You're going to step out of You can't get in the street because there's so many cars. You don't want to get killed. But you got to figure out how you're going to go back against the, the, the current of people because there's so many. I say it's difficult. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. I've done it. A few people say a few unkind words to you, kind of nudge you out of the way. But, but, but you can do it. My friend Shannon and I, we were at a conference in New York City. And, man, I don't know how many times. We thought in between times we'd walk here and walk there. we walk from Times Square to the financial district, which probably you shouldn't walk that. 
We didn't walk back. We learned some things on the way there. But, but I'm just saying, you make a lot of mistakes. And here we are trying to, you know, bumble our way around. And people weren't very kind. And they kind of push you out of the way. It's not, again, not necessarily like here. The crowd was so much. The current of people. The change, not impossible, but difficult. And I would say this, that some of the times in our world when you go against the current, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to stand up for truth. It's not impossible to stand up for what's right. It's not impossible to claim God's word over your life and your family and the people you love. But sometimes it's difficult. Not as difficult as the way of a transgressor. The Bible says that's hard. Right, but 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 it is difficult. And Daniel, well, he had some difficult times. And uh, I, I read last week we we talked from um, preached from Daniel chapter one, and Daniel chapter one verse eight says this: that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. There's more to the verse than that. And you can read it, but he purposed. Some of your Bibles will say he determined in his heart, made the commitment that he's not going to defile himself. And so if you weren't here last Sunday, I don't normally say it like this, but you probably need to go watch or listen to last Sunday's message. Or, and, and in First Wednesday, because they really connected and they bring us to this point. Here, we're glad you're here today, but you may feel a little out of sync. And so catch up by going there and, and looking. Those are some resources as well. I, I just, last Sunday, kind of the theme of this book is, well, the book of Daniel is, is about commitment, purposing in your heart, unwavering commitment. Uh, it's, it's the idea, I think it's the thread that runs throughout this book, is that, that, that no matter what is tossed at me, my focus is on Jesus, and that's not changing. And that's not changing. So you may feel a little disconnected as I talk this morning. I'm, I'm, I'll bring you up to speed as much as I can, but listening or viewing last Sundays, Elevation Indie, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Elevation Indie, uh, as well, then I talked about, so a commitment, and there's commitment cards out there, there's a place that you can fill out a commitment card amazed, seriously, in fact, let me tell you this, that last Sunday was the largest first Sunday of the year we've had since before the pandemic, that's pretty cool, isn't it, yeah, yeah, it took a while to get back, and we still Still got some ways to go. We, we don't want to just get back to that. We want to go blow it away, right? I'm not all about numbers, but you know what? More, more the merrier is what I say. But, but, but just let people in this commitment, there's cards all over here of people just committing to some things. Some things are going to challenge us. Some things are going to not, not easy things. I like what John F. Kennedy said when they talked about going to the moon. He said, we don't go to the moon because it's easy. It's my paraphrasal. He, he said, we do it because it's hard. Right. If, you're ever going, if you're ever going to achieve the greatness God has for you, it won't be settling for easy. It won't be settling for, 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 the, for, the, for the simplest things. It'll, it'll, say, it'll be this. It'll be saying, I'm going to push through some stuff. Push, pray until something happens. I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to push through some stuff that, that is not easy to get to the best. So many times we let good be the robber of best in our life. A lot of, good, a lot of people enjoying a good Christian life, but is that? The best that God has. And so, and so we just challenge people to a commitment. Again, there's cards out there. If you haven't, uh, you still can. And then part of that was fasting. And so I explained all that on Wednesday night. And you can catch that on the Church Center app. Go to 100 Days, and you'll, you'll find it there. And there's some documents that you can look at that explains it. A fast that anyone can do. 
a fast that you can, you can, ex, you can uh, increase over time, and we're doing it through next first Wednesday. And so you're not too late to join in. Some people are probably starting today or tomorrow. Uh, also, going through the New Testament together, I mentioned giving, being here on Sundays. There's some other stuff. I would just challenge all of you, maybe you weren't here, or maybe you haven't made that decision yet, to make that decision. Just overwhelmed. I had a friend here on uh, first Wednesday. Well, you guys, most of you know Chet Berry. He was saying, I just I can't believe this. He said, this is, this is pretty daunting, 100 days. And he said, people are all pumped up and excited about it. I said, well, we're just at a time where we want more of God. Am I right? This just, we're just at a time where we want to hear from God. Anybody with me? I mean, like we're, we, we, we don't want just, we're just not here to, 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 to uh, play games. This is, seri- this is serious business. And in the book of Daniel here, well, it gets pretty serious. And so I'd encourage you, uh, you say, well, I've not started the reading yet because I didn't know about it. And we'll just jump in. Or somebody says, well, I've already fall- fallen behind and feel like I'm blowing it. No, just pick up where you're at today. You can, pick, you can make those up later. Just go. Just go. You know what? The, the devil wants to get you in a place where you just, oh, this and that and all these things. Just go. You stumble a little bit, get back up and go. You'll never get to the finish line if you quit. You'll never make the destination if you stop too early. So just go. And so we're reading about three or four chapters a day, going to move through the New Testament. Come April 10th, we'll be standing in this place. It's that Monday night after Easter, and we're going to celebrate the victory. Amen? Amen. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read quite a bit. So just roll with me for a few moments. Daniel chapter uh, 2, I'm sorry, uh, verse 1. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Anybody ever been there? Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream, dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. Somebody say serious. Yeah. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, uh, no lord or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asked is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, 
Because of this, the king was angry, very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. I think this is something that when we look at this and we read this, we think about, wow, it's a tough place to be if you're a wise man. And Daniel's been included in this group. And I think about how that the king is having a dream and he's restless about it and he's anxious about it and stuff's going on. And he can't remember, it seems as though, it appears that he can't remember all the details. And well, I think all of us have had that experience, haven't we? Anybody ever had a bad dream and you don't want to remember it? Or maybe you have a good dream and you're trying to think about it and you, can't, you just can't recall, you can't recollect. You can't, you can't bring all the details of it back. And you want to know, but you just can't get there. I think it was a few nights ago, our granddaughter Lucia stayed with us, and she was uh, woke up in the middle of the night. She was sleeping in between us. And she's four and a half, and she woke up, and she had a bad dream about snakes. Phew, that's a creepy dream, isn't it? And woke up, and she's talking to Kim, and Kim prayed with her, and then she said, I think something like this, like think about good things or something. And a few minutes later, I heard Lucia say, it's not working. <laughs> There's <laughs> sometimes when you have that dream, you just want to run the opposite direction, like you don't want it. But then there's those times, and this king has had a dream, scholars would say, because Daniel is, is in line with a historical record. Um, there's, there's history that's been recorded about this specific time and, and the Babylonian kings. And, and so uh, during uh, this this time, scholars say that, that Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom, was suffering some problems, and, and there's some stuff going on, a few uprisings and some stuff happening, and, and maybe he was just a little restless, and at night, you know, his mind was just, the way it can happen if stuff's going on in your life, and his mind was just um, working overtime, and these visions, or maybe it was uh, a vision just from God. However that happened for Nebuchadnezzar, um, he wanted to know. And so he calls these men, and I didn't intend our last series king, I didn't in, intend necessarily to connect it to this, but, but he calls for these wise men, these magi, these soothsayers, these people that can, that can astrologers that, that would try to uh, predict by the, by, the, by the stars what's happening, or, or, which is crazy. Everybody, everybody knows that's crazy, right? Or predict what's happening, or or many times they would get an animal, a bird, open it up and look at its entrails to find out if there's an omen for something for the future, and and um, and so he calls them. Now I think 600 years after this, when we see them arrive to see Jesus, well, they've been they've been Danieltized. Right? Daniel eventually is put over them uh, to to teach them, and so they've had 600 years of Daniel's impact in their life. You know, certainly a different group, but here they are, and they're very, um, very pagan, super pagan, if you will. And they are the ones that advise the king, and the king has trust in them until he presents this dream. And he says, Hey, I got this dream. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I want you to tell me what it is and give me an interpretation. And they're like, Oh my, we can't do that. We can do all this stuff, we got all these ability, abilities. We're king makers, we advise kings, but we can't tell you that. In fact, nobody could ever tell you that. And if the gods would only if the gods dwelt in flesh and they don't do that, little did they know, right, that God was going to become flesh. 
But, but, but they're trying to, to let him know there's no way. And the king, is, is, his thinking is, well, if you can't tell me this and you're who you say you are, how do I trust anything you're going to tell me? And by the way, in that day, if you couldn't give the answer, or, let me say it like this, if you gave the wrong answer, knowingly gave a wrong answer to a king, well, it's awful your head. Right? It's execution. Like, like the king doesn't want advisors advising him wrongly, falsely, or by their own desires and, and whims. And so the king gets pretty serious about it, and he says, hey, here's, here's, here's what's going to happen. It's over for you. If you don't come back with this, execution, in fact, it appears that execution starts. Some of them are already killed, by the way, at my reading in Daniel 2. The king is, is, is furious about this, uh, partly because there's no answers. It's confusion. There's anxiety. There's frustration rage, and, um, and these, they're just not producing what he needs. And the Chaldeans, well, that term is used like the way we would use the word Jew today. Like we, we would say a Jew is a person of Jewish faith, but also it's an ethnicity, right? It's, it's, a, it's a people group, and Chaldeans were a people group. But when they say Chaldean, it referred to their, their practice of worship and faith. And so, so here they are, and, and they have no answers. And, and so... I want to talk for a few moments this morning about just titling it this way, simple title, Positioned. Positioned. Because they should have been positioned to be able to give an answer because the king wanted an answer, and yet they couldn't. And I think it's important to understand this, that without knowledge of the one true God, the most powerful king, most wealthy king, cannot coerce or buy an understanding of God's work in his life. It just won't happen. And I will tell you this, that for every one of us, understanding that the knowledge of God's Word and the relationship we have with God is so important to what God wants to do in our life. And the world out here, well, they're, 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 they are grasping for answers. They, they want to know what, what, is, what is the meaning of life and what is their purpose and what direction should they. And they're asking for that, and yet without the knowledge of the one true God, Without, a, without a, a relationship with him, well, it's, it's like as clear as mud trying to figure that out. I think it's much like today. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. He says this, but understand, but know, but realize this, that in the last day, last days, perilous times, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power, avoid such people as these. For among them are those who slip into households and uh, and uh, captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, get this, always learning, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, that's kind of a picture of our world. Is it, Pastor, are we in the last days? Well, we're not in the first days. I know that. I, I think that you can take every one of those details and you can ascribe them to where we're at in our world today, that they... Right, and, and then so what we're doing is we're continued, continuing to find out and find out. And, and believe me, I love, I love those that research and those that, that learn and want to grow and want to answer the questions that we have in life. But I also know that 
without the knowledge of God, it's just empty. In fact, even, even these wise men that are presented here, without the knowledge of God, the wisest sages are left in a darkness that comes from their distant, secretive, and disinterested false gods. There's just no answers. There's no answers. Outside of God and his word, there's no genuine answers. And I think you have to understand where Daniel's at in this whole, in this whole um, timeline. Daniel's not, you know, we picture Daniel as the old guy with the white beard, the prophet Daniel, the wise old Daniel, and they pull him out, and he can answer things. And he's a young guy right here, very young. In fact, um, scholars w- would say this, that, that when in 605, 607 B.C., when they went in to take the 3,000 captive out of there, that they would have chosen the best and the brightest and best looking and all that stuff. And Daniel's probably the son of a noble family. And he's probably, they want to get him young so they can train him in the Babylonian way. So he's probably 13, 14, 15 years old when he's taken. And so by this time, says the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, well, the, the training, the Bible tells us, is three years. Three years. So, so he's, he's maybe two years into it. He's not completed it, and yet because he's in the training, he's, he's, he's put together with all the wise men. They've, they're going to come and get him. And, and Daniel's this young guy who maybe 17, 18, 19. I don't think he's 20 yet. He's not the guy you go to for wisdom. He's not the guy that's going to have the answer. Sorry for all you young people, but there, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a good moment coming. But just understand this. Most people, when they're looking for wisdom, well, they're going to look for some gray hairs. Are you with me? Some of you gray hairs know when you didn't have gray hairs, you was looking for people with gray hairs so you could find out something, right? Because experience produces wisdom. And Daniel, well, he's, he, he's a young guy. Now, he's going to grow old. He's going to serve through four, maybe five kings during this time. But right now, he's a young guy. He's a young guy that's been ripped away from his home from his family, from his faith, from the place he knows, and he's been enslaved to learn some ways, pagan ways, of trying to discern truth and no understanding. Probably lonely. Probably has all the emotions that you and I would feel in a situation like that. And now they're killing left and right these wise men, and they've come for Daniel. And I think it's important that we understand, just like Daniel, that situations like this, desperate situations, they form perfect opportunities for a messenger of the God of heaven to speak true wisdom to needy people. That, that understand that, that, that you today are like Daniel, that there's a world out there that's needy and is looking for answers, and they need someone who can get a download from heaven and speak truth, not just a good idea, not a thought, and I think about, here they pull Daniel out, and, and, and Daniel's got to go before the king. And I think it really exhibits for us that worldly power is limited. We know that, don't we? I mean, you know worldly power is limited. If you don't, let me help you. Worldly power is limited. It falls short. It didn't take, it didn't take a rocket science scientist to figure that out. I mean, look at Ukraine right now and what's going on there. We all know about it. In fact, when it first happened, no doubt you were tuned in, listening, trying to pray for Ukraine and follow along. And then as it's continued on, and billions of dollars have been thrown at this. And the world stands around 
We've got United Nations. We've got organizations that, that, that are designed and, and created to help this kind of thing from ever happening. And yet, powerless, we stand because worldly power is limited. I mean, we had a pandemic. Worldly power is limited. They told us all the things that's going to work, do all these things. And, and, and we've spent, again, billions of dollars and had the greatest minds come around the table and trying to figure it out. And still... There's a COVID out there. Are you with me? Germany. Fascism. You see, you see it when, when, you know, Germany raises up. They're defeated. Just shortly after, they, they, they rise again. The world assembles. We defeat them. And still, fascism exists. Because worldly power is limited. Not like God's power. God's power is unlimited. The other thing that Take away here is it false religions. Secular philosophies are bankrupt. They're empty. Right? This world's philosophies to, to, to lift up uh, and, and promote humanism and to reduce and minimize faith. Well, you see, you see it in our world. Right, and I and I I see I see sometimes just the other day I saw some Jehovah Witnesses on a corner. They got all the literature and and they're standing out there. And I guess you can just go up and get literature. I always if I see them, I'm close to them. I always talk to them and smile at them because they're not smiling a lot. And I smile and say good morning, or and you know try to say something funny. And you may not be smiling if you don't have the truth. Are you with me? If I, if I have some skewed, mixed up version of of who God is and God's son, well, right? Or, or those young guys that knock on my door sometimes from the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, and, and they, they want to tell me about Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and Lehi who left uh, Israel in, uh, during the Babylonian captivity and sailed to America and developed cities and all these things, and I know a little bit about it, but there's no truth in it. It's just empty. It's like, the, it's like the, the, the young guys that will strap a bomb on themselves in the name of Allah and, and create destruction and havoc and chaos and die for their God. I much rather want to serve a God who would die for me than one who asked me to die for him. With me? And there's all these, these uh, mixed up false religious ideas. And then... Most of us don't get caught in that. What catches us is these secular philosophies. I love science. I love to read. I re sometimes I'll get to read some articles, uh, and I enjoy that. But when I started in college, I, I started with a, with a, uh, a major in uh, a certain area of science. And, and, uh, and I love to read it, but then I also know that, well, they tell me, trust the science. I'm like, I don't trust the science. Science said the world was flat. Science, science, science told me, here's what they taught me when I was in elementary school, that one day there's going to be an ice age that comes again. It's going to freeze the planet. And we need to do all these things. So now they say, well, it's different. It's, right? and, and we all know the climate has changed. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's not hard to see that. I mean, there's stuff happening. I'm just saying, I don't know if science, I don't trust science to get it right. Because science is a bunch of... People, natural men and women, who are trying to discover answers for a natural world. And the problem is they discount the idea that it is a natural world, but it's also a supernatural world. 
And so when they tell me, well, we got a, we got a telescope out there, and, and we can see, you know, 100 million light years away, which that means if you're traveling 186,000 miles per second at the speed of light, then it'd take you however many years to get there. Nearest star is like four, four light years away, but they're looking way far beyond that. And they say, we believe, we, we know, we think, whatever, that there could be life on a planet way out there. And I'm like, you don't know that. Are you with me? You're just guessing. I'm not trusting what you're saying. Don't, don't, don't give me a bunch of your thoughts and ideas that aren't based. In fact, I, I, I sometimes, maybe as a little bit of a, a hobby or study, I'll watch atheist debate um, Christians and uh, high-level guys like Dawkins and, and some of those guys, and I'll watch them and Hitchens, and, and I'll watch them, and, and then I just think, I wish I could be there. And you know, I wouldn't be as, as formal and, and uh, cultured as they are, but I just say, you're lying. You're just lying. When you tell me that you know that, that life uh, evolved, but yet you can't tell me the, the beginnings of life and how that happened, and you say, I've heard him actually say this, that Richard Dawkins, that one day we'll discover that. We don't know it right now. I'm like, well, if you don't know it right now, you just need to be quiet. I'm saying that pleasantly because I do know how life came. I don't need somebody to tell me the origin of this planet. I trust God's word in faith and belief. I don't need your secular philosophies that are empty and so many times fall to the ground because they aren't true. And I think it's important that we understand that as believers we need to be positioned to hear God and to speak what God is saying because there's people. Number one, you need to hear God's word for your life. There's people that love you that need to hear God's word, not just your, your opinions, not just your new ideas, not just something you feel like or you think. They need to hear God's word. They are, they are groping for answers that will bring life and life abundant. They may not be able to articulate it that way, but that's what they want. And we need to be positioned so that we can hear. And I think, you know, a lot of times people, people in life, well, they'll come to you something they heard from someone else. The Bible calls that gossip. People come to you sometimes and, and they, they want to see uh, something from you so then they put a harness on you and that's control. And the Bible talks about that as witchcraft. Sometimes people come to you and, and, and they want something for themselves. That's called envy and jealousy. They look at you and what you have they want. That's why you can't be looking over at your neighbors. They got the they got the latest greatest ride. I mean, they just it's got all the stuff on it. It's all shiny and new, and you're you're trying to keep going. And the thing you got, you don't know they got a payment book this thick. Praise God for your debt free vehicle. Anybody with me? But the enemy will work trying to get you to envy, and then you'll say things out of the out of the out of the coveting heart instead of out of the heart that is generous and loving. And what happens is we get caught in a world, this is the way the world does, the world speaks out of, on a solical realm. They speak out of what they think, their mind, what they feel, their emotions, and what they want, their will. That's your soul right there, your mind, will, and emotions. And by, what happens is, this is going against the current, because that's the current. We, we speak about what we think, what we want, and what we feel. Now, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're in a place to hear Him, 
well, you're not, you're not operating in that realm. doesn't mean you won't ever, but that's not what you're speaking out of. You're speaking out of, out of the spirit, man. What is God speaking? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your life and about those around you? And when you speak that, well, that's different than the thought I have because my thought could be based on how I'm feeling at the moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You catch me at the wrong time, I might be grumpy. So, some of you people, you know, you've been fasting and you're not careful, you get just, uh, maybe, maybe you're not drinking coffee and all of a sudden your, your demeanor has changed a little bit. Well, do a little checkup, make sure you're not operating in the flesh, but just know this, your thoughts at that moment may not be great. 1 Peter chapter 3 in the Phillips translation said, you need neither fear their threats nor worry about them. Simply concentrate on being completely devoted to Christ in your hearts, committed to Christ in your hearts. Be ready at any time to give a quiet and reverent answer to any man who wants a reason for the hope that lies within you, the hope that you have. That be positioned in a place that because of your commitment to Christ that you can give an answer. Being in a place to hear, releasing by speaking what you hear. And if you're in, if you're in the New Testament reading uh, today, you may not have read yours yet, but, but if you have, you've already read in Matthew chapter 8, or you may be reading, and, and the centurion there that comes to Jesus, well, he comes to Jesus, and, and he's, got, he's got some questions. He's got a servant that's sick. Jesus, this is, and Jesus says, well, I'll come over to your house right now. It's my paraphrase. I'll, get, I'll come over to your house. And the centurion says, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. But if you'll only speak a word, my servant will be healed. If you'll only speak a word, my servant. Now, Jesus said this. He said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And what was the faith demonstrated? The faith demonstrated was, if Jesus, if you'll speak, if I can hear from you, that word is all that I need. I don't have to have a bunch. I don't have to have you come and visit my home. It'd be an honor, but I don't think I'm worthy of that honor. I don't have to have this or that happen. If you would speak to me, and some of you are just in a place where if you just get positioned to hear God through his word, through that still, small voice, I'm telling you right now, it'll change your 2023. Your 2022 won't be on repeat if you'll get in a position to hear from God. You may say, well, what does that look like? Well, Daniel provides a good picture. Daniel chapter 2, verse 16 says, so Daniel went in. And asked the king. Now the king, he's already said, you know, why so urgent? Why so urgent? He's asked the, the, the servant of the king. And now he said, he said, he said he asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went into his house and he made the decision known to Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions. That they might seek Mercies from God, from the God of heaven, concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now skip down to verse 30. He goes to the king, gives him this word, begins to give him this word, and he says this in verse 30. But as for me, Daniel says, but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for our sakes who, have, who make known the interpretation of the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. There's, I'm going to give you eight things real quickly, eight, eight points from this passage that I think is going to help you in positioning yourself um, 
to hear from God. And you'll have to jot these down. The first one is this. First one is this. Daniel, Daniel asked the king for more time. In fact, he, he says, why, why are you so urgent? What's, what's, what's the rush on this? He said, will you give me more time? And, and the first one is this time factor. If you want to position yourself to hear from God, time. It's going to take time. And what I, what I mean by that is you've got to set aside time. You've got to set aside a portion of time. You can't be running around all the time doing all the things and never sit down before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to open your word, and I'm going to call on you, and I want you to speak to me. And I'm telling you, if you do that, he'll be faithful to do it. But you've got to give time. Any relationship that works has to have time, has to have time. And I think, you know, in our modern life, we have so many connections and, and the network of people that we know. We, we, can, we can just lose sight because we get time here and we spend time there. And before long, some of the most important relationships, they just drift, drift past us. I've, I've sat uh, many times speaking to husbands that are, their marriage is on the rocks. And just about every time and every occasion, it's been the lack of time that's been spent. I'm not a marriage counselor by any stretch, but I've just told people before, here's my simple advice. My question is this, when's the last time you went on a date? Uh, and they do all that stuff. And then I say this, you probably just need to go on a date. Well, it's expensive. and all. No, just go, go down and walk in the park for an hour. Just go do something together. Why? Because I know this, that that relationship will be cultivated if time is spent. But if no time is spent, what's well, going to fall apart? And I'll tell you that your relationship with God and positioning yourself to hear is going to be when you spend time with him. And I say this, I'm saying it early in the year because it's so important, this time factor. But not only is, the, is, is spending time with him, the idea of, of, of running the meter, if you will, important, but also the appointment. See, if you don't make the appointment, you probably won't do it. You say, well, I'm planning on praying. I'm planning on getting the word, planning on getting the word, word this year. And then you wake up tomorrow and you have no appointment to do it. Now, if you're not careful, here's what happens to me. When I wake up, a lot of times I wake up and my mind is like going. And I have to slow down a little bit because I got all these thoughts and all these things going on and all these ideas. I got to slow down a little bit to focus. Now, if you set an appointment, well, that's going gonna, gonna to make it work, right? If you don't have no appointment, then you, won't, you may not show up. I was thinking about um, my nephew Connor plays uh, basketball, and last year, we went, he lives in Ohio. Last year, we went over and watched him. It's his senior year, and last year we went over, this year is, last year we went over and watched a game. And, uh, and then I thought, well, he's already been playing and watched a game, me and some of the family, on uh, – live stream, which isn't very good, and I don't know if it's my eyes or if it's the live stream, but I'm, like, trying to find out which, which fly he is running across the, across the uh, court because it's so small. And I thought, well, I want to go to a game, and I thought that earlier, but I don't know when the games are, and I haven't set the appointment. And what could happen is the year could end, and I don't ever go see one. And I don't ever physically be present at any of them if I don't set the appointment. Are you tracking with me? If you don't set the, the appointment with God, then you're going to move through your day and not experience it. And then what's going to happen is you're going to need a word from God, but you won't have it because you didn't spend time in relationship with him. Somebody shout time. 
It's a time factor. It's also understanding the power of place. Daniel exits the public arena, and he goes to his home, to his house. Now, as a pastor, I could try to stretch this real big and make it the house of God, and you need to be in the house of God, and I could try to do that, but, but it really wouldn't be do it justice because that's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is that he's in the noisy place, he's in the busy place, and he steals away to a quiet place, a private place. New Testament, sometimes you hear the, you'll, you'll see the word, uh, your prayer closet. He, he gets in that secret place, his home. In the book of Samuel, when you read about Samuel, he had his bed set up near the Ark of the Covenant. And Samuel, that, that, that was, the, that was the, the usual place where he was that he heard God speak. Right? The usual, the place that you can go, the place that you're familiar that you meet with God at. That, that could be on your living room couch. That could be, that could be uh, in a... Uh, uh, a closet, if you will. It, it could be um, could be on your back porch, but probably not in the not in this weather. But it could be the place that you have determined that this is the place where I'm going to crack open the sacred text and and open up a, a open line to heaven. It's that place. It's not trying to get the answer out in the public arena. If you're if you're if you're just strolling through Facebook for for hours and and then you're commenting on everybody, you're not giving them a word from God. You're just giving them your opinion. And your opinion isn't changing anybody, and it's only making people upset, right? You're not going to get a word from God with Facebook opening, open, trying to hear. You're not going to get it in the public arena. It's when you make the decision to set aside that time with him. And you may say, you may say, Pastor, you don't understand how busy I am. I don't. I don't know your life. But, but I, know, I know my life. You know, for, for nine years, I was bivocational pastor. So I pastored a church. There's no part-time positions in ministry, really. So I pastored a church, and I worked a full-time job and had a family and did all this stuff. Was it easy? No. Was it important that I set up uh, those times where where I got alone with God? Most definitely. Because I want to tell you this, that whatever you got going on in life, if if you're too busy to make time for him, you're too busy. If you're just coasting along on your own ideas and your own opinions, eventually you're going to hit the wall. Power of place. Third thing that I see here is this shared life. That when he gets there, he has these these three individuals, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah, and and he begins to, to share with them what he's dealing with. Now, he didn't share that. He didn't walk around all the people out in the public arena. He didn't walk through the palace and say, hey, by the way, this is what i got to do. I'm going to get something for the king. He wants me to interpret his dream. Everybody's dying. They're cutting heads off. I'm next. So, you know, think about me. You ever see people say thoughts and prayers? I'm always like, I don't want you to think. I just pray. Right? (laughs) People are saying thoughts and prayers, Dad. He's like, yeah, I don't need thoughts right now. I need to know what God's saying. And he 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 doesn't divulge everything about his life to everybody. By the way, that's a mistake. If you're doing that, chill out a little bit. Don't give everything about your life to everybody because they're going to give you their opinion, and their opinion isn't what God says most of the time. Right? You go into work, and you complain about your husband, or you complain about your wife and all these things, and everybody says, yeah, I'd leave him. I'd leave her. I'd get out of there. Yeah, because you're just getting the world's opinion. They don't, that's not a word from God. And, and, and so, and so it's, it's this idea that, that shared life, and by that, these three have been walking with him through this. 
They know his struggle. They share the struggle. There are people, as the King James Version calls it, people of like precious faith. They believe. They know God. They have a relationship with God. You need those people in your life. If you want to hear from God, you assemble those people in your life. And when you hit, when you hit the crisis, when you've got you to be, you're in a place where you need a direction, you need to know from God, it's those people that you begin to share with who've been walking, trusted, confidants, people that you can believe in. You say, well, I don't have them. And I'm saying this, you've got to build those relationships. There's a whole lot of people that's spending 100 days to victory that you can lock arms with and say, hey, I, I need somebody in my life. I, th- I think he went to them for aid, but also for agreement. I want you to agree with me and accountability. And that's why you need folks in your life. Four, it said they were, gonna, they, were, they were seeking the mercies of God for this. And that's that seeking posture. So, so understand it is, it is the time factor. It is the power of place. It is a shared life. But it's a seeking posture. That's how I position myself with an active pursuit of going after Jesus. It's not a one and done. I raised my hand. I said a prayer. Went to Sunday school, and the teacher said this. It's not that. It's a commitment that this is a lifelong journey, and I'm going to seek after you. The one thing I want to do like David is to pursue you and seek after you that I may behold your beauty. Five, I said it earlier, expect results. One, two, three, say it with me. Expect results. See, Daniel, here's how I know you can expect results is because the Bible says this, that in a night vision, God gave Daniel a download. And I want to tell you that when you spend time with God and you crack open his word and you listen for his voice, you can just know that you can expect results. In this 100-day journey, I'm just telling you, you can expect results. It's not in vain. It's not just something we're doing. It's the idea that we're positioning ourselves so that we can hear, that we can hear with clarity. And God may, you know, I've got friends, they say, well, you know, God doesn't work like that anymore. I was looking at one commentary this week, and and it said, uh, uh, and, you know, don't, it it says that, and don't uh, get lost. This is my paraphrasal, that, that God still speaks through dreams, uh, he, they didn't say he does it, but they're just letting him know they don't think he does. And I'm like, well, I think he does. Now, I know there's burrito dreams and, right, those Taco Bell midnight dreams that you had. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about there's sometimes when God supernaturally, maybe because you won't slow down during the day and your mind is at rest that he'll speak to you something through a dream. Now, the Bible says tell a dream is a dream. Don't get all like, well, I had these dreams and, you know, I saw I saw this and that. Just Tell it as a dream. God may speak to you through a dream. He may speak to you in that still, small voice. He may speak to you to that trusted, confident in your life. I was typing in prayer the other day on my iPad, and I missed, I missed the letter, and it said pyre. I told it yesterday at prayer. Pyre. Well, we don't use that word except in the idea of a funeral pyre where they burn stuff. And as I, as I thought about that, this is strange. And I thought about how that there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of stuff we just need to set a blaze from last year to move into the new. Are you with me? I'm just saying God will speak to you in some ways that you didn't even know he could do. After all, you know, he's supernatural. If you've got a natural God, well, that, that, that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, that these dumb idols is what he calls them, dumb idols, mute idols, 
that people worship them and make, worship them and make sacrifice to them and give to them and pay homage to them, and ultimately they cannot speak because they they're not they're not living. But we have a speaking God, a speaking God. And the next thing that Daniel does is he he worships. He worships God. And, and I'll tell you, that's, that's one of the important aspects of this time alone with God and this hearing from God is that, that you're a worshiper. That's what the Father's seeking, those that will worship him in spirit and truth. And then Daniel, he, he makes faith steps. He steps out before the king. I didn't read the interpretation of it. You can read it later. But he begins to give the interpretation as God has given it to him. He spe- his speaking is releasing what God has said and stepping out in faith. And so many times we just back up and we're quiet and we're silent. And I'm saying that you need to hear from God and you need to speak it. You need to speak it. And, you know, during this time when I'm reading the Word of God, I just open it up. And most of the time when I read, not always, but when I'm reading something like this, I read it aloud. I want my ears to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I want my ears to hear what I'm reading. So my faith is strengthened. And Daniel heard what God said, and then he spoke it. The last thing I want to give you is that he gave God glory. Right? He acted in bold and confident faith, and then he gave God glory. In, in Daniel 2, verse 30, he, said, don't, he told the king, don't think that I'm somebody that's great, that I have incredible wisdom. He could have said, I mean, not that he did, but he could have added this. He could say, I'm just a kid. They just pulled me out of there and brought me over here. I've been learning these crazy pagan ways. And they're killing everybody, and they brought, they, they, I just, here's what God gave me. The God of heaven, he can speak to you. That's what Daniel's saying. It's not me. It's not robbing God of his glory. If God uses you, you give him the glory and him the praise. If you want to hear from God on a consistent basis, it's when, you, it's when you flip it and say, it's not about me, it's about him. Sometimes, old days of, of the church here, when I first came, one of the terms they would use is God helped you. And I always liked that. They were telling me it was good, but they were giving the, they were giving the honor to God. Somebody says, hey, that was good sermon thinking. I'm like, well, God's good. Our tendency when God uses this, thank you, No, it's him. No good thing in me, it's only him. If God's helping you, it's because he desires to help you. And I want you to know this, he'll speak to you. He will speak to you. He'll speak to you about your life right now, about the situation you're dealing with. He'll speak to you about the people you love in your life, and he'll give you an answer to give those outside of the church that don't have any hope and can't find any answers. He'll give you something that'll cause them to say, I want to know more. That'll cause them to open their eyes and say, tell me more.